Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, come unto me all you that labor and heavy labor and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you say, meek, lowly in heart. I mean, let me get this straight. Just so I make sure that, we're, that, that I know we're talking, who we're talking about. We're talking about a person who was born in a barn, a person whose first bed was an animal feeding trough, a person whose father was just a common carpenter, a person who grew up in a slum town of Nazareth, and a person who was meek and lowly in heart. He's going to defeat Satan. He's going to free all mankind from the chains of sin. He's going to stop the destiny of hell for all mankind. He's so critical to the survival of man, that he can be called the generations of man. He can be called the second Adam. And the answer is yes, yes. And for these reasons, Jesus is our Joseph. Jesus is our Joseph. Because just as the meaning of Joseph is he shall add, Jesus is the one who adds salvation to us. He adds salvation. He adds eternal life to everyone who receives him as their Lord and Savior. That's why we can look at verse 2 and apply it to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, these are the generations of mankind, Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no man with eternal life in, in heaven. Without Jesus, there's no one who lives forever in heaven. Without Joseph, there's no continuation of Jacob. Now, our focus is on Joseph. And what we see first about Joseph in verse 2 Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. That shows us something. It shows that Joseph was a worker. You know, he was the favorite of his father, but his father didn't make him a lush, right? His father didn't make him a sit around and do nothing. He didn't take advantage of his position to not work. He didn't take advantage of his favorite position to not work. His father taught Joseph how to work at an early age, and that's what I always tell our boys. In fact, I named one of them Joseph. Our three boys were raised on, on a goat ranch. That was their heritage. <laughs> 300 goats we had, and they had to be fed twice a day and cared for. And I told our boys, I said, you know, the Lord knew we had a lot of work to do here. That's why he didn't give us any daughters. <laughs> we needed three boys to go out there and haul those 120-pound bales of hay. Anyway, we're told in verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Milhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wife, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. All right, Joseph brings to his father their evil report. Now, when you read those words, read those words in verse two, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. When you read that, 
What's the first question that comes to your mind? Yeah, what were they doing? <laughs> what were they doing, right? What was that evil report? What were they doing anyway? And you know what's so conspicuous by its absence? We're not told. We're not told what the evil report was. Why not? Seems, you know, because God doesn't want us to know. That's the answer. You know, when Noah got drunk and was naked in his tent, and there was something shameful going on, and one of his sons, Ham, he looked and he came out and told his brother, Shem and Japheth, and, and I, I'm sure he told them, you won't believe what I saw. Oh, dad is in the tent naked. Oh, you, you, you got to go see this. But what we read is something beautiful in Genesis 9:22, when it says, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon their shoulders, went in backwards, oh, beautiful, and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not the father's nakedness. What was going on when Noah was drunk and naked? And we're not told because God says, none of your business and I don't want it to be your business. And so I don't want you to know. And God doesn't want us to know details of evil because it will defile us. Because he knows our hearts. Really? That's us, right? And God wants to cut it off. That's what makes watching the news so defiling. You turn on the news because the news gives all these details. And God says, I, you don't need the details. I don't want you to have the details. It was wrong. It was evil. You know, what did he say? He said, who is so blind as my servant? Speaking of the Lord Jesus. I don't, know the details. I don't want to know the details. The details in the news what was happening in Noah's tent, the details of this evil report, God says, no. Because in Ephesians 5.12, it says, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Don't talk about them. And in Ephesians 5.3, it says, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it, let it not be once named among you as become of saints. Don't even name it. Don't talk about it. So what we know from verse 2 is that when Jacob's sons were far from Jacob's eyes, they got involved in some sort of evil, and they, this, they gave in to whatever this temptation was. All right. So this is going to be, this kind of sets the stage for what the rest of the chapter is about, the evil report. And so you want a breakdown of the chapter, it goes like this. Verses 1 through 11, it shows the reasons why Joseph's brothers hated Joseph, and it also shows this special relationship between Joseph and his father, and anyways, it talks about the dreams. Okay, verses 12 through 20 shows the brothers' opportunity and their plot to murder Joseph. Verses 21 through 27 shows the efforts of Reuben and Judah to rescue Joseph. Verses 28 through 32 show the cover-up story that the brothers had fabricated and they told uh, Joseph's father. And then finally, in verses 33 through 36, shows Jacob's deep grief and his sorrow over the apparent loss of Joseph. Now, you look at that? What's that mean for this chapter? This is a chapter of great darkness. This is another one of those chapters of great darkness 
in Jacob's family. This is a chapter of a conspiracy to kill Joseph. This is a chapter of brothers secretly planning a scheme to murder their brother. And since the future of Jacob's house is tied up in Joseph, that would have meant that the death of Joseph would have meant the destruction of Jacob's house. And so this is a chapter of great darkness. And it's in the middle of this darkness, in the middle of this very dark chapter here, very dark history in Jacob's family. In the middle of this dark chapter, we have this sterling character of Joseph. I mean, it's like right in the middle of all this darkness, there's this great light, which is Joseph. Joseph is like a light shining in the darkness, which is just like what is written about the Lord Jesus in John 1.5. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended that not. The darkness could not get their arms around the carton. The darkness could not extinguish it. Joseph was the light. The brothers were the darkness. The brothers tried to kill Joseph. The darkness tried to extinguish the light, but the darkness was not able to kill the light. The darkness was not able to kill Joseph. And this is the way it was with the Lord Jesus. He came into this great darkness, as it says in Isaiah 9-2. Isaiah 9-2, same chapter that talks about him. As for unto us a child is born. A little bit before that, verse 2 says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Upon them. Now, what we really want to see here in Joseph is the kind of person that Joseph was. Because this is what's important. When we look at verse 2, there is a statement that is made three times. There's a statement that's made three times for emphasis. And whenever God does this, he's trying to emphasize something, right? Because he wants us to focus on this. What's emphasized three times in verse 2? Okay, I'll give you a hint. First time it says, with his brethren. What's the second time say? With the sons of Bilhah. And the third time? With the sons of Zilpah. It's this word with, with. It appears three times in verse 2. It emphasizes. You know, it could have said something like, you know, Joseph was with his brethren, his, and then there's his brethren, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah. But this word with is repeated three times. Because we're, we're being directed to see Joseph was with his brethren. So Joseph was with his brothers. And what were his brothers doing when Joseph was with them? Something bad, something evil. Joseph was with his brothers when his brothers were doing something evil. But Joseph was not doing that evil that his brothers were doing when Joseph was with them. And what does that reveal to us about Joseph? What does it show us about him? He was separated. He was able to resist the temptation that was around him. This is going to be a characteristic in the life of Joseph. We're going to see this. But where in the future are we going to see Joseph resist the temptation that's around him? Potiphar's wife, right? He's going to resist the temptation of Potiphar's Potiphar's wife who's calling for him to lie with her. And that doesn't mean tell a fib, (laughs) okay? So the emphasis of verse 2 is with Joseph being with his brothers who were sinning, And Joseph not sinning, 
shows us how Joseph could be in the midst of sin and not sin. When we read Joseph, it was with his sinning brothers, and he was not sinning. Joseph had self-control, which is what Paul told Timothy when he said in 1 Timothy 5.22, 1 Timothy 5.22, he says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Joseph was not a partaker of his brother's sins. Joseph kept himself pure. And his brothers thought, you know what his brothers thought about Joseph? They thought, he's strange. He's strange. Why? Well, he's not running with us in our sin. And you know what the world thinks about about believers who keep themselves separate from the world? They're strange. They're strange for not running along with the crowd, as it says that, that they think you're strange in Peter for not running with them. Okay? Now, that's just like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just like him. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, it says about him in Mark 2.16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him, the Lord Jesus, eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? That means the Lord Jesus ate and drank with sinners. That means the Lord Jesus was with sinners. But like Joseph, the Lord did not sin. And the description of Joseph keeping himself pure from his brother's sins is the description of the Lord when it says in Hebrews 7.26, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, like you said, separate from sinners. See, God has not called us to be isolated in the world, but we are called to be insulated from the sin of sinners. God has not called us to be isolated from sinners, but God has called us to be insulated from sinners. You know, if next week we were to announce, you know what, here at the chapel we're going to have an evangelical dinner where you should invite your lost friends to come to the dinner. Do you have lost friends you can invite? Do you? I mean, a Christian should never be in the place where he says, I don't have any lost friends. He should never be that because then he's isolated himself. We should all have lost friends. How else are they going to hear the gospel unless they have Christian friends? We should not be isolated from sinners. We should not be isolated from the lost. We should be insulated from the sins of the lost. So the emphasis in verse 2 where Joseph being with his brethren shows that he was not, obviously he was not isolated from them, and it wasn't easy for Joseph. This wasn't easy for him. This must have been a tremendous pressure on Joseph. Just go along with the brothers and just go ahead and sin. But, but Joseph did not sin with his brothers. Why? Why did Joseph not sin with his brothers? What reason can you think of of why Joseph did not give in to the sin of his brothers? Let's say the brothers said to Joseph, oh, come on, Joseph, just join us. And what reasons would Joseph give to not do the evil that his brothers were given? Okay, what would you say? Okay, Joseph saw clearly that this was a sin against God. Joseph loved God, and he would not sin with his brothers because he loved God, which is what he told Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39.9, Genesis 39.9, when he said, there's none greater in this house than I, 
neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's what he said. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph would not sin with his brothers because he loved God and because he saw it as a sin against God. What's another reason? He loved his father. He loved his father. He knew his father would be grieved. Joseph told Potiphar's wife it would be a great wickedness and sin against Potiphar when he said, there's none greater in his house than I neither had kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness? So Joseph saw the evil his brothers were doing as a great wickedness against his father. Joseph had a special relationship with his father. His father makes him a coat of many colors, and Joseph didn't want to hurt his father. You know, that was the father of his affection, or I guess I put it the other way. It was the son of his affection. It was a father. There was affection between them. That's a great challenge for us today, to think of all that God has done for us and the special relationship that we have with God and the affection, and we should not sin because we don't want to hurt God our Father. We don't want to hurt him. Another reason is his dreams, which showed what? Okay, he could spoil his future. You know, that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about that. That's why I asked you. (laughs) But that's a great point. He was in jeopardy of, of losing what God had cast for him as a vision. Uh, as a, you should be teaching. I'll sit down in it. <laughs> so that is a great point. Okay. Another one I was thinking of, and we're going to see this about Joseph as a person. Joseph has a very keen sense of what's right and what's wrong. There's no gray with Joseph. And Joseph revealed that when he called the solicitation of Potiphar's wife a great wickedness. When he said that in Genesis 39, Nine, he said, because how can I do this great wickedness? Okay, now, similar to what Irene said here, another reason is Joseph wanted to keep himself pure. Again, Paul, what he was meaning when he said that to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, neither be partakers of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. I told you the story when I was in London, and I was waiting as a businessman with all those other businessmen holding their briefcase, you know, and there was this woman coming along. She was a prostitute. She was soliciting the businessmen. And I turned to the other guy and I said, she a prostitute? And he said to me, keep clean. See, that's what Paul said. Keep thyself pure. So when someone else invites us to sin, they're inviting us to become impure, to become morally dirty inside. And Joseph saw, this is what Joseph saw. He saw what his brothers were doing as dirty. And these are the reasons why, some of the reasons, probably others, why Joseph kept himself being a partaker of his brother's sins. So Joseph saw his brothers, they were doing something evil, and he brings to their father, as it says in verse two, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Why did he bring his father the report of the evil that they were doing? I mean, it was one thing for Joseph to not sin, but then to bring the report to his father of the sin of his brothers, I mean, didn't he know that he was gonna be in trouble? with his brothers for doing this? I mean, why did he tell his father what his brothers were doing? Okay, his father needed to know. See, because he saw very clearly, and this is a real big issue with him, I mean Joseph. He saw very clearly that if he did not tell his father what they were doing, that that would be disloyal to his father. 
And this is a huge point with Joseph. Joseph was at a crossroads. He was at his crossroads. He's at a crossroads. One road is marked loyal to his brothers and disloyal to his father. And the other road is marked loyal to his father and disloyal to his brothers. This is, child, this is a crisis of loyalty right here. It's a crisis of loyalty. Really, Joseph was at a greater crossroads where one road was marked loyal to his brothers and disloyal to God. And the other road is marked loyal to God and disloyal to his brothers. And he's got to choose. And this was not easy for Joseph because this is who Joseph was. Joseph had a keen sense of what was right, of what was wrong, of what was loyal, of what was not loyal. And he knew that God was righteous and he wanted to be loyal to God. See, this is a quality trait in Joseph that's a challenge for us. Because every time we are faced with a temptation, it's really a challenge of whether or not we're going to be loyal to God or not. And for all of Joseph's life, we'll see Joseph, he put the highest priority on being loyal to God. We never see any vacillation in Joseph in this part about regarding sin. It's just crystal clear. Crystal clear for Joseph. His decision was always God first. Loyalty to God first. Paramount. That's what Joseph was. That's Joseph. Okay, when we see Joseph now reporting back to his father about the evil that his brothers were up to, we see Joseph, he was a serious person. Joseph was a serious person who was not out in life just to enjoy himself. You know, Joseph was not a pleasure-seeking person like pleasure-seeking people in our days described in the last days in 2 Timothy 3, 4, where it talks about people in the last days as being lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then it talks about, this is a sterling quality of Moses, when it says in Hebrews eleven twenty five he made a choice rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So Joseph was a serious person. Joseph was a thinking person who did not see things going on and just say, oh, well, you know, hmm, I don't want to judge him, okay. No, he took time to evaluate what he saw in the light of what was right and what was wrong. So that he not only saw what his brothers were doing, but then he evaluated it to come to the conclusion that's evil. That's evil. See, so he has a keen sense of what's right and wrong. He has this keen sense of loyalty, and he highly values being loyal, even if it meant that he was going to be personally hurt by it. And he knew how important it was for his father, I think as you said to him, to restrain his brothers. He knew how important it was because Joseph's loyalty to his father was more important than his own safety, his own safety. I mean, Joseph took it, he took a great risk. Joseph took a great risk when he exposed his brothers to his father because he knew how dangerous his brothers could be. By the way, where were the, where were the, where were the brothers when all this took place here in, in, in the last part of this? Where, where were they? In a place called Shechem. Ring a bell? Shechem. Joseph knew how his brothers could conspire in secret, plotting to murder all the people of Shechem, which they did. (laughs) 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.